Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you here today on a great and glorious day in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are joining us for the very first time, we are so glad to have you. You have not just stumbled upon anything. You have stumbled upon an opportunity to come together for an expository teaching on the Word of God. We are here typically Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a study in God's Word. And Literally what we're here for is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And uh, if you want to know more information about Raven Ministries, which this is an um, outreach ministry of, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com, which Deb has so uh, speedily placed upon the screen here this morning. And you can actually click on that and find out more information about not only Raven Ministries uh, originating right here from Daytona Beach, Florida, but literally from all of our teams all across the United States and in Canada, too. We'd love to get to know you and uh, know what God is doing in your life or your church or your ministry. And we'd like to, to pray for you. And if you need any help or assistance in particular areas of outreach or just need some boots on the ground and winning souls for Jesus, we'd be glad to be a part of that. Also, you can go to that and find out different things that we're doing around the country if you'd like to be part of some type of outreach ministry that is reaching people for the kingdom of God and seeing uh, lives changed on a daily basis. We would love to, to know about you and know what's happening in your life. Also, on Tuesday nights, I want to say this since it is a Tuesday if you're listening to us live. Tuesday nights we have the Raven Nation program at 8.30 p.m. from 8.30 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Raven Nation is a time of uh, about 90 minutes of praise and worship, news, testimonies, and a message from the Word of God. And it brings together literally our team from all across the, the, the United States and beyond. We'd love you to be a part of that. That is 8.30 uh, tonight. But one of the things that we do during that time is to have intercessory prayer for the sick and the needs. And so if you have prayer requests for tonight, be sure and, those, and send those to us as early as possible. And you can send those to pray, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com, pray at biggrace.com. And uh, let us know what your prayer needs are. We want to stand with you in prayer. We've seen some tremendous things happen. I know this past week we prayed on Sunday night for uh, Brother Rusty, who leads praise and worship for us. And uh, he had this uh, this mediation hearing on some things going on in his life uh, from years past. And uh just believing God for it. And literally, we went in, and that's why we weren't here yesterday. Pastor Terry and I went, and we just prayed and interceded the whole time that this two-hour uh, meeting was going on. And he went into this thing just uh, thinking, you know, hey, this is going to uh, may turn out bad or whatever else. But, man, we went in standing on the, on the Word of God and just literally prayed uh, the whole time that they were in there. And, uh, man, he walked out of there, gave the thumbs up. Every single thing went in his favor. And so we believe that, that God is doing some tremendous things. And so if you have prayer requests, we want to stand in, in agreement with you as well and just believe that God will bring miracles into your life. So uh, don't forget to send those out today as early as possible so we can get those printed off. Uh, we print at this studio, Studio B, but we carry them over to Studio A, so it helps if we uh, get them earlier. So that way we don't have to handwrite them once we get over there because we don't have a printer pr uh, hooked up at Studio A. But glad to, to have you and want to know about your prayers and want to believe God for that. Or if you have testimonies, if God's been doing some things in response to answered prayer, be sure and send those also to pray at uh, biggrace.com and just put in the subject line uh, testimony. We'd love to hear about what God is doing in that. So we're going to pray today. And good, uh, once again, good to have you. Good to have all of our international guests, our pastors that, that come on later and download these. Uh, 
pastors from India and Pakistan and Africa, you men and women of faith are awesome folks and we love you and we appreciate everything that you do for the kingdom and we want to stand with you and hopefully soon we can actually hug your neck and see you face to face and, and, and work those fields with you and see God do some tremendous things for the kingdom. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Just ask for his blessing on this time and just ask for uh, uh, those that are our sick in body and uh, to God to touch them lives. Also, one thing I want to say as we pray, our dear friend, uh, Brother uh, Max Love, I call him Max Love, Max Montano, most of you know him by, that know him. Uh, Max is an evangelist out of Amarillo, Texas. His mother passed away this past Saturday. Uh, she had suffered a, I think uh, his mother was 74 years old, but she had suffered a pretty severe stroke uh, a good while back. And man, he was praying and believing, and we were standing in faith believing for her healing, but uh, she uh, passed away this past Saturday. And uh, we just want to pray for him today as well, and for his dad, and, and for that entire family. They're going to be having the, the service in Dalhart, Texas, uh, later, I believe, this morning. And so we're just going to pray for them that God would just show up in a powerful way. You know, the Word tells us that unless a, a kernel of corn falls to the ground and dies, it dies being alone. But I believe that God utilizes even those times of tragedy and of great loss of, of someone that we love as a, uh, a ability to, to preach the gospel to the lost and dying, to show really the frailty of life and just how it's such a, a uh, uh, it's like a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. So we're going to pray for, for Max and Kimber Montano, that God will just give them tremendous opportunity in their family and that he would cover them in this tremendous loss of his mom and his dad, Fermin uh, Montano as well. We'll pray for him. So, Father, we just thank you for this day that you've made, Lord God, and we have come to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that, uh, that you hold, Lord God, the universe in the span of your hands. That, Father, there's nothing that has happened that you have not already seen, that the Word declares that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you that wrote the preface has also wrote the epilogue, Lord God. You have wrote all the contents of my life, Lord God, and you're, 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 give us your Word, Lord God, as that blueprint to see the accomplishment of your will in our lives. And so, Father, as we come today before this Word, we just ask, Lord God, that this Word would, would definitely, Lord God, become that lamp and become that light to our path and to our feet, Lord God, that would illuminate the way, Father, in our hearts and in our lives, Lord God, to seek clearly the things that you would speak unto us, Lord God. We want to be challenged, Lord God. We want to be challenged and transformed, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And Father, we just ask that you just begin to do that work in us right now. Father, if there be any issues in our life, we, Lord, we want those things exposed, Lord God. Search us, Lord God. Try us and know our thoughts and heart, Lord God. See if there be any wickedness within us, Lord Jesus. We just believe, Lord God, that we stand literally on the precipice, Lord God, of an incredible time, Lord God, in Jesus. These are the moments, Lord God, that the prophets of old long for. And we get to be here, Lord Jesus, according to, to Matthew chapter 13, Lord God. They longed to see these things and did not see them. They wanted to hear, but they have not heard, Lord God. But we stand here, Lord God, literally at ground zero of the most awesome hour, Lord God, in the history, Lord God, of mankind. And Father, we just want to be found faithful in this moment of time. And so, Father, I just pray for each one that's here with us right now, those that are listening to us, Lord God, from around the world, Lord God, and those that are listening to us in delayed broadcast as well. I pray, Lord God, for each and every one of us, Lord God, and I pray for them as they pray for me. And we just stand together in agreement, Lord Jesus. We just want your will to be accomplished, Lord God. We want the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to be made evident. Father, we want the revelation of your word, Lord God, to just be more concise, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We want to just dive deeper, Lord God into the things of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just pray for those that are struggling, Lord God, in areas of their life. And we just pray, Lord God, that you just cause deep conviction to come upon them, Lord God. They would see that there is mercy at the foot of the cross, Lord God, that there is a, a way out. And the Scripture tells us, Lord God, if we're just faithful to confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. And Father, we just want to be found righteous in you. So Lord God, whatever there is in our hearts and lives, 
today, Lord God, that would not be indicative, Lord God, of your spirit or your will in our lives, Lord God. We just ask that, that you would just reveal those things, Lord God, and we just lay those things at your feet, just asking you, Lord God, for the purging of those things in our life. And Father, we pray for those that are sick in body, and we just ask for the healing, Lord God, literally of the nations. We thank you that, that by your stripes we are healed. And Lord God, even the word says that as Jesus was in this world, so shall we be. And Father, we're just asking, Lord God, for as Jesus walked in power, that we'll walk in power. As Jesus walked in wholeness, that we'll walk in wholeness. Because we know that 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we just ask for healing, Lord God. Father, I, 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 I pray and ask you, Lord God, and as others might pray, I pray for my hip, Lord God, that's been giving me some problem in my leg. I ask for healing for that and restoration, Lord God. And those that have been sick in their bodies in other ways, I just pray for healing and restoration, Lord God, and complete miracles, Lord God, to take place, Lord God, in hearts and lives. And Father, we pray, Lord God, for Brother Max and Kimber, Lord God, and, and, and his dad, uh, uh, Lord God, after the loss of his mom. And we just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, even a couple hours probably before the, the funeral services, that Father, you just cause a visitation of the Holy Spirit to come upon that place, Lord God, that you just pour out, Lord God, in power and in might, Lord God. You'd bring deep conviction on those that aren't serving you, that don't know you. Lord God, and you'd give an opportunity, Lord God, for them to be brought into the kingdom. I pray for Brother Max, Lord God, that you would just give him utterance, Lord God, to open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Lord God, he would rise above, Lord God, even the hurt, Lord God, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the great loss, Lord God. He'd rise above those things, Lord God, and he'd preach, Lord God, an uncompromising message, Lord God, to those he's in contact with over the next few days, Lord God, during this, these funerals time, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you for this day. Just ask for you to bless this time. Ask you to, Lord God, just give me the words to speak, Lord God, and give, uh, folks the eyes to see and ears to hear that which was the Spirit of God would speak unto the church today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. All right, folks, if you'll turn to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, uh, I'm going to read verses 26 and 27 together. Uh, jumping on our last class from this past Friday, if you're watching, if you're with us live, and really kind of using that as the springboard in verse 26, which is such a powerful scripture. And I don't know, I hope today you're going to see really what, what not only just 26 and 27, but we'll probably get into 28 too if we have time. But I, I guess I say this about every scripture I'm at, but man, you know, these are the most, some of the most powerful scriptures I've, I've ever read, you know. Uh, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, you know, here we are in the 8th chapter, the 27th, 28th verse. You said most of them are, and they really are. You know, Romans, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine in another city last night, and we were just talking about the Roman letter. And really, the, the Roman letter just so encompasses so much. It is such a blueprint. We called it the Magna Carta of the New Testament and in the, the New Covenant. It's, it's so powerful that literally uh, pastors across the world could just take the Roman letter, just take the book of Romans and preach on it until Jesus comes back. It is, it is that that deep. And as much, you know, I think we're in class, what is it, Deb, 117 today. You know, we've, we've done 117s, and in the natural, that 117 classes as of today, that sounds like a lot. But folks, literally, even in that, we've scratched the surface. I could, I could go back and start over and not share anything I've shared before and do another 117 classes on the same material and the same text. Uh, 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 and, and, and you'll see the depth of these things. And so Romans is that powerful. So every time I read it, you know, anytime I've, I've seen something, I think of before, man, it's just like something else is right there poking its head out at me. So uh, I want to read verses 26 and 27 together. We're going to dive in. Good to have you, Rick. Glad, glad you jumped in, my brother, from Colorado. I hope God is doing some tremendous things up there in the frozen tundra of Colorado. Good to have you, my brother. The, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Don't you, aren't you glad that He helps our infirmities? 
infirmities. He helps those places that were weak. For we know not what we should pray as we ought to. You know, even coming to that point, folks, there's a, uh, there's a tendency to, to think, you know what, we know what we ought to pray. We know. But the truth, the fact of the matter is, we don't know. We, don't, we have no idea most of the time, and even as the Scripture says that. And so what happens is it says, The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Then in verse 27 it says, He that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I want to say that again, because you've got to get your spirit around verse 27 today. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so that first phrase that we can snatch out of there, it says, and he that searches the hearts. I want to ask you a question. Who is it that searches the hearts anyway? It's the Spirit. I got the answer here. Who is it that searches the hearts? It's the Holy Spirit. Well, the Scripture actually reveals that it's all three members of the Godhead search the hearts. And and God the Father searches the heart. And you can write this down, 1 Chronicles 29.8. 1 Chronicles 29.8, the, the God the Father searches it. Uh, God the Father also searches it. We see it in Jeremiah 17.10. So 1 Chronicles 29.8 and Jeremiah 17.10. Uh, we know that God the Son searches the heart, and that's Revelation 2.23. Revelation 2.23. And uh, God the Holy Ghost searches the heart, 1 Corinthians 2.10. And so even though literally all of the Trinity or that, that Elohim, as we, we talked about in the past, Elohim is the earliest mention. It's a Hebrew word that's a singular plurality, but it's the first mention of that, 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 that triune Godhead, that Trinity. And it's in Genesis 126. You can put that. And he said, let us create man. Let us create man in our own image. And so God in, his, uh, in that, that, that triune nature, one God manifests in three persons. But all, all of those have a role. All of those persons of God, that one person, revealed in, the, in those three distinct uh, characteristics. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God, or three distinct persons. One God manifested and in, in revealed to us in three uh, distinct persons. And so we, we see that revealed in the, in the Trinity. And so, but we also see there's a very specific progression that's here in, in, as well. And so he searches our hearts. And so it's understood that he takes place in something that never should be uh, ignored. And so even though the Holy Spirit is God and knows all things, his purpose and agenda is to carry out the will of the Father in our lives. Okay, I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God the Holy Spirit. But his desire, his plan, his purpose is to carry out the agenda that God has for our life. God the Father. Or in regards to this will being carried out in our lives, it can be said this. And you need to write this down. The Father constitutes. What's a constitution? If I have, if I've constituted something, what if I, that's what I've put together. And so if I have the constitution of the United States, it's something that I put together. It's the, the foundation. So you can put the Father constitutes, the Son institutes, and so if I have a constitution, now I've got to institute that. I can pass something or make a decision, but now I've got to institute that thing. I've got to say, okay, here's how it's going to happen. So the Father constitute, the Spirit institute, uh, excuse me, the Son institutes, and the Spirit executes, or He carries those things out. And so the Father constitute, the Son institutes, and the Spirit executes. And so when we see here, He that searches the hearts... Uh, knows the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for us, for the saints according to the will of God. So that is, all these things that the Spirit is interceding for us, they originate in the Father, Father, the Father. I'm talking like I'm from the Northeast. They originate from the Father. They're revealed by the Son and they're carried out by the Spirit. And all of these things are going to work in harmony in our lives as we walk according to the Spirit of God. So, 
He searches our hearts. He searches out those things. He looks to those things to not only establish, not only to constitute, but to institute or to give us the the truth as we come to the Word of God and to see those things executed in our life and to see those things carried out in in, in power in our life. So Hebrews uh, 4.12 says this, and so He searches our hearts. How many of you today want God to search your heart? Anybody out there says, God, I want you to search my heart. Okay, now think about Hebrews 4.12 for a minute. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sunder, soul, and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, in other words, folks, listen, your intentions or your motivations literally are going to lay bare before Him. They're going to lay naked before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're going to lay uh, naked before the one that constitutes God the Father, the one that institutes God the Son, and God, the one that executes God the Holy Ghost. They're going to be out there. He's searching our heart, and He wants to lay those things uh, out naked before Him. He wants to expose those things. And so what He does is, is because He can lay those things naked, because He can expose those things, because He searches those things, He intercedes and prays devoid of any... Uh, a pre-existent pretenses. He's not moved. He's not impressed. He's not distracted by anything that may seek to undermine His will of being accomplished in our life. And so what He does, He cuts to the chase. And in cutting to the chase, He cuts to the quick. And so as a result of that, He, he, he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And so folks, listen, when He says that, that, that He... And I want to read that again. He that searches the hearts, and we know that he lays bare, he, he, he reveals those type of things, he, he divides the, the soul and spirit, any pretenses, they're eliminated. He's not distracted by anything. He doesn't come in with, with, a, with an agenda based upon our circumstances. He cuts right to the chase. And many times, cutting to the chase, he cuts to the quick of the matter. And so we, 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 we come under that, that exposing of God so he can do a work in our lives. And it says that he knows the mind of the spirit. And so, folks, what this speaks of is the fact that the spirit is able literally to transcend the limitations of what we could ever verbalize within the confines of our comprehension or recognition. And so if I said today, okay, what are your prayer needs? You know what? Chances are that you're going to deal with the surface things that you can feel, that you can see, that are recognizable, the things that, that, that are tangible, the things that might cause you to stumble, those things that are very evident. But what about the underlying issues behind all that? Folks, we can't see those things. And so we're dependent completely upon the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. And so we, we, we can't think of that. And so what He does, the, uh, He knows the, what is the mind of the Spirit. And He prays even for those things that we would rather ignore. And so think about that just for a second. He wants to pray for the things that we would ignore. Folks, listen, face it. You know, we've got to face the fact of the matter is most times the things that we pray never go past the surface of what they really should go to. And the reason I say that is because of Proverbs 16.2. Now think about this, Proverbs 16.2. It says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Why? Because we know from Romans 8.27 that he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Or he knows what's going on beyond the limitations of the flesh, knows what's going on beyond the carnality of the soul, and he goes down literally and begins to examine the spiritual side of a man. And so all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. In other words, our assessment or our appraisal or our, our, our opinion of ourselves or, or what's going on or our situations are, are always a lot different than what God looks at. 
And so we always look at it through literally our our our, our eyes, or we got the rose-colored glasses, or they're gilded by, by 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 the golden opinion that we have for ourselves. And so, but the Lord weighs the spirit, folks. Listen, the reason being is because we have tunnel vision concerning our own issues and our own problems. And so, what happens is, according to Romans eight twenty-seven, the Holy Spirit takes over where our flesh or our sin nature turns a blinded eye, and it says in the preceding verse that He helps our infirmities. He helps the places that we are weak. He is, he, and that is where He shows up and begins to illuminate the weaknesses so that we can be made strong. And so if I look at that, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities. We know not what we should pray. We don't understand it. Why? Because our ways are clean in our own eyes. But the Lord weighs the Spirit. For we know not what we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings cannot be uttered. And He searches our hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He knows where we're coming from. He knows the, the premise. He knows the basis. He knows the things that literally we've forgotten about. He knows our motivation. He knows all those things. And, and, and He begins to make intercession according to the will of God. And so think about I want you to write Job 12.22. Don't you love Job? Anybody want to have a spiritual Job situation? And so, it says in Job 12.22, it says this, He discovers the deep things out of darkness and brings to light the shadow of death. And so, Job 12.22, it says that He discovers deep things out of darkness and brings out the light in the shadow of death. Now, write down Ephesians 5.13. Ephesians 5.13 says this, It says, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light... For whatsoever does make manifest is light. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatever does be, has been made manifest is light. So folks, what the Holy Spirit is and what He's speaking to us in verse 27 of Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit really serves kind of as like a spiritual CAT scan. And so what He's able to do is He's able to penetrate those areas that are not distinguishable by the natural eye. They're not, uh, they're not distinguishable by the natural man. They're not distinguishable by our circumstances, by our own ability to reason, by our own comprehension. And so what he does is he puts us in the CAT scan tube, so to speak. He puts us in the MRI. He begins to investigate below the surface and begins to search out the deep things of God. He begins to, to, to discover deep things that are in darkness, to bring out those things in light, to reprove those things by light. And so it's like searching into the deep tissue, literally, to, to, to retrieve a sample and, and to, to recognize a sample. That way you can go back in and do a biopsy. And so first, I've, I've heard people say, just thinking about a biopsy, that somebody that's had a biopsy, they say it can be very, very painful. And not only when you just have it, but afterwards there's a, there's a soreness for it that can remain sore for days. Why is that? Because when you do a biopsy, when you penetrate into those deep areas, what you're doing, you're intruding into an area that has previously been untouched. You're going into an area that has been isolated and you're penetrating deep into those places. And to extract something that if it was allowed to grow in the darkness, that it would be deadly. And so when he says he searches the hearts and knows the mind because he makes intercession, that means he is going deep into those places. He's that light, like that spiritual CAT scan, like that spiritual x-ray that goes into those places so he can identify those issues, so he can go in with the, 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 the biopsy tool, literally of the, of, the, of the Word of God, and extract a sample of those things to reveal it. Why? That way he can make intercession for us. He can reveal those things so we can begin to pray, literally, in agreement with the Spirit of God in our life. And so, uh, uh, in the Old Testament, this bringing out to the light was accomplished through the voice of the prophets. The prophets would come and they'd begin to speak. 
And, and they, they, they would speak to kings, they would speak to nations, they would speak to individuals. But, uh, but it goes even further now because the prophets spoke under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit that spoke through them now dwells in us. Now think about this. There was, there was a prophetic office, obviously, in the Old Testament. I believe there is today as well. But He just rested upon them. So He spoke through them. But for us, there's not only that prophetic office that's here that God speaks through, but He's in us. And so it's kind of like the double whammy. It's kind of like having a built-in x-ray machine. It's not only getting it from the outside, but we're getting it from the inside. And so what we have is illumination coming in, and we get illumination coming out. And so what happens is, when we're walking, not according to the flesh, but when we're walking in the Spirit, or we're walking in that light. Folks, listen, I could tell you, I want to give you a CAT scan. But to tell you, in the CAT scan, the one that gets puts you in that tube, is that what the CAT scan is? It's the MRI. And so if I got to get in, if I want an MRI, I just can't stand out there and look at the machine and say... Hit the button. I want to do it. What do I got to do? I lay in, and I've got to lay in. Melanie had one uh, one time, and uh, she had to lay in this tube, and they said, be perfectly still. Don't move. And, and they did. They went in, and there was this banging, there's this clanging. They said, don't get nervous. It's very noisy. So they put her in that machine. Folks, listen. Sometimes God just wants you to be still. He just wants you to lay, lay in the tube of His Spirit, so to speak, in prayer and intercession, and it'll get noisy. There's going to be some banging. There's going to be some clanging. Why? Because as he begins to search, it's kind of like me going out to, to, to my garage, which is stacked up with all types of ministry stuff, and start looking for something. You know, I've been out there before looking for things and rattling pans and moving generators. And Melanie opened the door and said, what are you looking for? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you're banging and clanging while I'm just looking for something. Okay, I thought you were tearing the house down, she'll say. No, and folks, listen, sometimes that's what it is in the Spirit. He'll come in and there's this, he's having to remove this junk and toss this out of the way and comes into our life to bring to the light. And so in the Old Testament this was accomplished through the voice of the prophets. But now not only is it accomplished through that, but it's, He also approves through these things. And you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm not going to read them all. But you, you, the words of knowledge, the words of wisdom, the words of prophecy, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits. And so all those things come to play in the spirit realm to search the hearts and know what is the mind of God and to make intercession on behalf of the saints according to the will of God. And so I want to give you an example to think about in the whole, how the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets as a type, literally, of searching the hearts and knowing the mind of the Spirit. And so turn to Second Samuel chapter 11. I'm going to read the last few verses of 2 Samuel 11, the, this, uh, verses 26 and 27. Then I'm going to read a little bit from verse chapter 12 as well. And, and so the context of this, and you'll, you'll remember, you know, David, it's, the, the Scripture says when kings go out to war, that David stayed behind. That David missed it. He wasn't, he wasn't in the position that he needed to be. And so as a result, he began to look off of his ceiling. He saw this beautiful young woman down there and he ended up calling for her and he ended up having sexual relations with, with Bathsheba and it led to the, him uh, uh, conspiring and having uh, basically murdering Uriah the Hittite, her husband. And it, and it says this in 2 Samuel eleven twenty six and, and 27 and jumping down to, to verse 12. I'll just read right through that chapter break. It says, When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now, does this sound like David was deeply convicted about having an adulterous relationship? Not at all. David wasn't. Does it sound like David was deeply uh, convicted because of the fact that he uh, uh, had this, this, this man murdered? Absolutely not. But, it, you know, but what's interesting has always been interesting about that. The Scripture says prior to this, that he was a man after God's own heart. And so how can a man after God's own heart 
commit murder and commit adultery. And so the good news is that the Spirit searches all things. Okay, folks, so here's, the, here's back, once again, here's the context of that. You know, you see this, and he, he was a man after God's own heart, but still yet he found himself in that situation. So here's what ended up happening. The same thing that we're seeing right here in verse 27 of Romans chapter 8. The, here's the Old Testament version of that. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. They said Deb's mic is on. Okay. And it says, The Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and he said unto him, There were two men in one city, one is rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceedingly many great flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb. And when he had brought them, nursed it up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup, and it laid on his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take his own flock and of his own herd to dress the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he ended up taking the poor man's lamb, and he killed it and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against that man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man that has done this thing will, will surely die. And he, he must restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are that man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you the master's house and the master's wives into your bosom and I gave you the house of Israel and, and of Judah. And if these things had been too little, I, I would have given you much more things such as these. He said, Why then have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword and you have taken his, uh, his wife to be your wife. And you have slain him with a sword and, uh, of the children of Ammon. And therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them unto your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For thou did what you did secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And, and Nathan said unto David, The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. And so here's what we see, folks. The prophet of Israel, pardon yeah, the prophet of Israel, in this case Nathan, served as that type of the Holy Spirit to the Old Testament saints because they were the ones that spoke the mind of the Lord and brought to light the deep things out of darkness and reproved them. And so you had David. David, I guess he was none the worse to wear. Nobody knew what he did. He was the king. All the other people went out. And, but the, the Lord Jesus, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, came with the, with the prophet Nathan and spoke to those things that were darkness. He searched out the heart and he knew the mind of David. He knew the situation. And so, folks, listen, today the Holy Spirit literally is still that primary instrument of that reproof while also utilizing, just as we talked about, the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But once, listen to this, once he searches and it reproves, then what he does is he intercedes. And so what the Holy Spirit will come in, he'll come in and reveal those things. He'll begin to shake us up. He'll begin to stir us up. He'll begin to remove those layers from our heart, expose our motivation, all those things that are deep within inside of us, those things that, that we always, our ways are always, right and pure and clean in our own eyes but, but God searches the deep things and so what he does he reproves those things for one reason that way he can begin to intercede for those things according to what the mind of the spirit and folks listen this is the exciting time sometimes it's the tough time but really what it does it, it's exciting even though it appears it doesn't appear exciting because we know what it's doing it's revealing and God doing a work in our life to literally to take us from glory to glory to glory to, to move us to that next dimension that next place that he has for our life and so I want you to look at a passage of scripture with me this morning that really kind of illustrates what, what, what he's talking about 
here in Romans chapter 8, verse 27. And this comes out of uh, Luke 11, 1 and 2. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, how many of you need to be taught to pray? Anybody need to be taught to pray? I want to be taught to pray. I want to pray according to the will of God. I want to be able to pray with the mind of Christ. I want to be able to pray in agreement with Him. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to pray distracted by my own circumstances. I don't want to pray uh, 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 with tunnel vision. I want to pray according to the will of God. So the disciples came to him and said, "Lord, teach us to pray." As John also taught his disciples. Then he said to them, "When you pray, say, Our Father is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done." On earth as it is in heaven. So, folks, listen. Here's what's interesting. We talked about that verse. Let me give you a little bit more on that. What's interesting about this is, is while he says to pray, he says, Your will be done. Folks, really, most of us really don't want to pray that prayer. We, we genuinely don't want the will of God to be done in our life. And, and, and we want to substitute my will for your will. We want to say, We, we, we wish he would have said, Lord God, uh, when you pray, pray like this uh, Lord, let my will be done on earth as I hope it's going to be done in heaven. And so we want our will to be substituted for His will, but we still expect the manifestation of His kingdom to be revealed in our lives. And so this is where verse 27 of Romans chapter 8 has got to kick in to our lives. He searches the hearts and knows what's the mind of the Spirit. He knows what's beyond the superficial. He knows our heart. He knows the things that we don't even know. Okay? He knows the things that we're going to confront. He knows the things that are going to be exposed. He knows the things that are on the horizon that we cannot even see. He gives us the heads up. Pastor Terry, who's right here in Raven Daytona Beach, the other day, he went out and bought a CB radio for his, uh, for his Raven van. And you know, uh, we, we talked about it back, back in the old days when the, in the 70s before cell phone. Everybody had the, the CB radio. And I remember as a kid, I'd be traveling down the road with my mom and dad. And, and they would always, you know, Breaker 1-9, can I get a southbound? You got a northbound looking. You know, CB talk. And what we were saying is, basically what we were saying, we want somebody that's already been there up ahead of us that we're going to tell us if there's any bears, if there's any law enforcement. And so that's what the Spirit does. You know, we didn't know. But so what we're going to do is we're going to get on that microphone and we're going to begin to intercede. Please, somebody, is there somebody out there that's already been there? Is there someone that's already seen what's ahead of me? Folks, listen, that's what, the, that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. He's our spiritual citizens band radio. We can get on it through intercession. He begins to intercede and He calls ahead. We are that one that's, that's looking towards the eastern sky, but He's already been there. We're, we're, still, we're still in the west, but we're headed east. And so the Spirit makes intercession. He begins to pray according to that. And so when we pray, Your will be done, we're saying, listen, God, I want Your will. I want, to, I want You to look beyond the, the limitations of my mile marker. And I want you to look way up ahead of the road and begin to, uh, to do in my life that which is going to accomplish that pathway in my life. And so think about this for a moment. Psalms chapter 121, Psalms 121, <laughs> verses 1 through 4. And Robin said, that's a big 10-4. Amen. And so listen to Psalms 121, 1 through 4. It says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill. So when I lift up my eyes, what does that do? Number one, that puts me in a, in a situation of humility. I'm casting my eyes upward. I'm looking up for my redemption draws nigh. And so anytime the, the Scripture uses that phraseology, I will lift up. He says if He's lifted up, that He'll draw men to Him. So what I've done is once I say I will lift up,
lift up my eyes, basically what I've done is I've elevated his position. I've elevated his will. I've elevated his knowledge. I've elevated his intercession above myself. I, I, I become subordinate to the Spirit of God. And so he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hill from where my help comes. My help comes from the Lord. Where's my source? My help, my answer, my intercession, my reproof. My rebuke, all those things that God has for me, my correction, my chastisement, my revelation, all those things are going to come from the Lord, which has made heaven and earth. And He qualifies it. Listen, folks, the one that created it is able to take care of it. He's able to keep those things that we commit to Him. And it says that He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Then I love this next part. And this is what we're talking about. He that keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither sleep nor slumber. Folks, listen. The one that's watching over us, the one that is searching literally the hearts, that knows the the, the mind and the spirit, who makes intercession, he is constantly, he is not asleep, he's not drowsy, he doesn't take the day off, he's not on vacation. What he's doing is he is continuously making intercession on our behalf. And so what this is, in the Hebrew, it's the that, that pagha, P-A-G-H-A, and it's that word for intercession in the Hebrew, P-A-G-H-A. Which means to strike upon, to assail against, or to urge on on behalf of someone else to intercede. And so he does the paga. We lift up our eyes to the hill uh, where our help comes from that, that because we know the one that watches over us, that intercedes for us, that, that assails against those things for us, that challenges our sin nature, that exposes those things in that realm, neither sleeps nor slumbers. He is constantly, it's a, it's a, he is literally bombarding heaven. He's bombarding heaven with our, with our, our words. The, the scripture speaks about the angels in heaven sighing our names. There, our names are constantly being brought before heaven. There are, are the, the, the prayers of the saints which become that, that odor. It's so constant. Listen, there's an echo of your name. There's an echo of Lucy. There's an echo of Catherine. There's an echo of Robin. There's an echo of Megan. There's an echo of Cindy. There's all those echoes going forth in heaven as it's continuously interceding on your behalf. And so what he's doing is he's, he's urging you on in intercession. And so it's like a, it, he, he, when, when you feel like giving up, folks, what he's doing, he's urging you on to pray. When you feel sick in your body, he's urging you on in prayer. When you're fearful and troubled, he's urging you on in prayer. And when you're, you're battling against all odds, he's urging you on in prayer. When, when you don't know if you can make it, he's urging you on in prayer. When you're, you're stressed out, he's urging you on in prayer. And so constantly what he's doing, he's, see, he's searching those things. He knows those things. He is interceding for you because he knows uh, uh, your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your circumstance better than you do. And he's praying according to God's will. And so regardless of what you're going through today as a believer, what he's doing is he is standing literally in the corridors of heaven, urging you on in prayer. Lord God, don't let him stumble, Lord God. Don't let them be, Father, don't let them be uh, 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 discouraged. Don't let them be sick. He's urging you on in prayer. Lord God, let them be strengthened. Don't let their faith fail. Don't, don't, don't let them uh, uh, go astray, Lord Jesus. Don't let them be, uh, fall into the temptation of lust, Lord God. Let them break free, free from that bondage, Lord God. Set them free from that addiction. He's urging you on constantly in prayer. And so right, right now, folks, as we're, we're studying the Word of God, there's an urgency, literally, that's going on in the, in the heavenlies. He said, don't let your circumstances discourage you. Don't let what you see get you down. Push on, urging you, urging you, urging you. So when you feel that trouble and that trepidation going on, you're saying, God, what's going on? He is urging you along to get through those things that He already knows is up ahead. That way, you, He will not suffer your foot 
Think about what he says. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He will not allow you to stumble. Why? Because he's urging you on through that spirit of intercession. So folks, whatever it is that you are having to come up against, even those things that are so deep-seated in darkness, in the dark recesses of your soul that you cannot see, that you cannot recognize, that you don't know about, He is urging you on at this very moment in prayer according to Romans chapter 8, verse 27. Folks, listen, I remember when I wrestled in high school. I, I was in wrestling all the way from, from junior high school on up. And I remember when someone would, would find themselves in a bad situation, or they'd find themselves on their back in a, in a near-fall situation. Somebody would, would hook them in a head and arm or somebody would lock them up in some type of, of, of wrestling hold that uh, uh, they're about to be pinned. The whole team literally would stand to their feet. The crowd would rise to their feet. You know what we'd begin to do? We'd urge them on. We'd say, come on, get up. Come on, rise up. Uh, come on, you can, you, you can do it. And so what we would do is we would be their inspiration in the midst of their desperation. And so as they were about to suffer a pinfall, as their shoulder was getting pressed close to the mat, what we did is we would inspire them. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can move. Come on, turn. Come on, don't give up. Come on, press. Come on, move. And so we would be that inspiration when they didn't have it. We would be that strength when they didn't have it. We would be that hope when they didn't have it. When they were lay, literally laying flat on their back and they were exposed in all their weakness, they were put in a compromising situation. And so what we would do literally was we would coach them through that situation from the sidelines. Why? Because we had a better vantage point than what they had when they were flat on their back. They couldn't see where their opponent had wrapped up. They couldn't see what their opponent was doing. But because we had a different vantage point, what we would do in wrestling, we would give them instructions on how they could reverse the hold. Folks, that's exactly what Romans 8.27 does. It's like our coach standing on the corner of a wrestling match. And he's saying, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the, the rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You don't see it. You're not wrestling against something that you can see. But what he's saying is, I'm looking. I'm searching the deep things. I've got a vantage point. I can move around the map. I can come high. I can come low. And I can take tell you where he's loosening his grip. I can tell you where he's left himself exposed. And so we would coach. And so, you know, sometimes they would say, even in their frustration on the mat, they'd say, that's easy for you to say. Why? Because they were frustrated. But if we would just tell them, listen, don't get yourself pinned. Don't get pinned into that situation. And, and they could put forth those, those, those efforts. And if they did that, listen, what they could find themselves doing is getting out of that hole. And folks, listen, that is exactly right now. Right now. Not later on. Not next week. But see, the thing about the Spirit of God, He doesn't begin to intercede for you once you're in trouble. He intercedes for you in advance of your trouble. That way you can avoid the trouble. And we're going to look at that in, as we get into the next verse today. And so he, he intercedes. And so what he does, he has the ultimate vantage point because he's omnipresent. And so if, if we are in the grip of the adversary, if he's got us on our backs, if he's about to pin us, then he, by virtue of residing inside of us, is also in the grip of the adversary. And so he feels your infirmity. He feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Why? Romans 8.26. He helps our infirmities. That we have a high priest that is always tempted like we are. He's, he's grabbed a hold of like we are, yet without sin, that we can come up 
boldly, that we can rise up, that we can begin to scurry out of the grip of the adversary. Why? Because we've got someone there that's coaching us along, that's standing with us on the sidelines. Not only that, but he's inside of us. He is everywhere else taking advantage, literally, of his unlimited perspective on things. And he's shouting to turn our shoulder and begin to roll. He's telling us, turn, come on, because something's about to happen. I see that guy's about to shoot on you. Move, come on, sprawl. And so that's what he's doing in the kingdom. So verse 27 concludes, he says this. He says he does all of these things according to the will of God. Folks, listen. God's will is always, can I say it again? God's will is always designed to produce victory in your life. I had a coach in wrestling, once again, he'd always, he'd always say something. Now, I'd get frustrated sometimes it wasn't working. He says, listen, I just want to help you win that match. He said, I just want to help your hand be raised in victory. Folks, listen, what the Word of God does is, listen, He wants to bring us back to that place. He wants to bring us to Psalms 121.1. Lift up your eyes. He wants to bring us to that place that we can elevate our understanding, that we can elevate the, the, the work of God in our life, to bring us to that place. And sometimes what He does is He has to search us out. He has to expose those things. He has to reveal what's going on in the heart. And so, you know, in, in, in that sense, it's a deep, literally a deep investigation in order to bring about the will of God, to reveal anything that would stand in the way of His will being accomplished in our lives. And you know, that's, that sounds sweet. That sounds rosy. It sounds great. But folks, listen, as much as we like to say that we desire the will of God, most of us really, when it comes right down to it, really do not want to have to go through the process of the will of God being revealed in our life. We want it instant gratification. We want, it, we want the fast track to it. We never literally want to pay the price of that CAT scan, of that exposure, of God doing a work in our lives. And so what we do is we'll find ourselves, rather than being revealing, we, be, we start revolting against the voice of God speaking into our hearts and lives. Because really what we find out is His will and our will are not always perfectly aligned with one another. I want to give you four or five scriptures real quick to write down and, and so you can look at them. Romans 12.2 He said, Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove out what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be imitators of the world. Don't handle it the way of the world. Don't be superficial like the way of the world. Don't be boastful and proud like the way of the world. Always lift up your eyes to the hill. And I'm, I'll, I'll get into that verse a lot more when we get into the 12th chapter. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Galatians 1, chapter 3 and 4. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. And so what does He have to do to accomplish the will of God? He's first got to deliver us from this present evil world. He's got to deliver us from the influence. He's got to uh, deliver us from the characteristics. He's got to deliver us from the companionship of this evil world in order for the will of God to be accomplished in our life. And so, folks, what you're going to find is many times God is going to bring you into that, that solitary, isolated place. Not necessarily in the natural, but He's going to bring you to that place of searching you, the place of knowing you, that He can separate your thoughts and your life and your motivation from those things that are externalized, those things that are, that are misappropriated motivation, those things that are, that are influenced by outside things, and bring you to that place to accomplish the will of God. And then uh, uh, Colossians 4.12 he says, Epaphras, E-P-A-P-H-R-A-F, Epaphras, is a, it's a man's name. He says, who is one of you, a servant of Christ. He said, he salutes you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why? That he may stand perfect and complete 
in the will of God. Folks, listen, that fervency in prayer is that intercession. So why is that? Why is he fervently praying? Why? So he can stand with us for the perfection and the completeness at the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God. What is the will of God? Even your sanctification. And so to sanctify you, to sanctify means to be made clean. And so to be made clean, He cleans those things up. He begins to purge us. He begins to extract the stains from our life. He begins to look at those type of things. You know, talk about people do a deep cleaning. There's, there's some people that will clean house and they'll do a deep clean. There's other people that do a surface cleaning. In other words, they just lift up the rug and they just sweep the dust under it. But it's really not clean. And so when you begin to look, you begin to see the residue. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, folks, the good news is He doesn't just do a surface cleaning. He doesn't, he doesn't do a, a, a whitewashed tomb cleaning. He doesn't clean the inside out and, and leave the, inside, the, the outside out and leave the inside dirty. What He does... He see penetrates like a biopsy and he exposes the wretchedness of our heart and he begins to intercede that God would reveal those things and bring a clarity and cleanse to us. Why? To sanctify us. For this is the will of God. First Thessalonians 4.3 Hebrews 10.36 Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God you might receive the promise. I'll tell you what, folks, early in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, and especially true for the work of the ministry, was the need of patience. I wanted it, but I wanted it now. I wanted to do it, but I wanted it now. You know, I, I remember when, when you know, God called me and I began to pastor. And I pastored in, in Amarillo, Texas, uh, where I went to school and graduated high school from, and my family lives there. For years, I pastored, uh, I pastored a church there for 13 and a half years. Now, was that the place, literally, that God had called me to ultimately? It was not. But what was it? I had to go through a patience and an endurance through all those things that God taught me, literally, for, for over 13 years. Every situation, every trial, any situation that you could ever imagine in your life, I went through that. And I've had people ask me, uh, since then, hey, if there's anything you could go back and change, what would you change? Would you change that circle? Absolutely not. Because I know those were the times that God searched me. Those were the times that when it was just uh, Melanie and I in a cold building that we had to keep pressing through. When we didn't get encouragement, when we were talked about, when we were when 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 things went bad, we had to keep doing it because our obedience was not based upon what we saw; it was based upon what God said. And so, through those circumstances, exposed our motivation. God, what am I going to do? Even when things like you know, I saw many people come and go. Well, you know, this might be God's will because God didn't do it. Now what do we see? We, we're, today, literally, the gospel is being all over the world. At this very moment, people across uh, state lines and, and national borders are hearing the Word of God preached. What if we had not have been patient in endurance then? Certainly, folks, we would not have seen God do the things now. We see God save people in the streets literally all over the world. In the last year, last two years. I've been across the country. I've been in Europe. I've seen God move in, in different countries. Why? Because of the patience and allowing God to scuff me up, allowing God to reveal, allowing God to do that biopsy day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment. And you know what? He's still doing it. Folks, listen. It, uh, we've got to allow patience to come in. That way we can receive the promises of God. First Peter 3.17 It says, For it is better, if it is the will of God, it is better... First Peter 3.17, I love this. For it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good 
rather for doing evil. Folks, listen, I'd rather go through the fire with Jesus than, than, than walk, on, walk in, in prosperity and blessings with the devil any day. Why? Because I know at the end of that, if I'm doing the will of God, it's always better to go through those trials, those tribulations, go through that time of purging, go through that time that God's revealing things in me. Why? Because I know it's going to work the will of God. You know an example of this, I'm not going to get a lot into it this morning, but you can look at, and write this, just write these down, and Deb will put them on the screen. Leviticus 3.2, uh, verses... Chapter 3, verses 2, then verses 8 through 13, then uh, Isaiah 53, 6, Leviticus, chapter 3, verses 2, verses 8 through 13, Leviticus 16, 21, and Isaiah 53, 6. Leviticus 3, 2, verses 8 through 13, and Isaiah 53, 6. When you go back and read that later in your studies, it's going to be talking about the scapegoat. And what the scapegoat was, and this is really, we're talking about this issue of, of him searching and this intercession for us. What the scapegoat was, is the scapegoat would be brought in, and the, and the priest, symbolically, he would go and he would lay his hands upon the scapegoat. And that was a type of intercession. So what it did, it symbolically put the sins upon him, of himself and of, of the people upon that goat. And so when that goat was sacrificed, it was sacrificed as that type of thing, as that type of sin offering. And so that's exactly the whole issue of the will of God is, is in that. So he's making intercession. He's become our scapegoat. He's the one that all of our problems, all of our struggles, all of our trials, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our iniquities, all of those infirmities, they literally have been laid upon the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He stands in that, that place of an intercessor. He is assailing those things upon His own self for our benefit. And folks, listen, this whole issue of the will of God is probably one of the hardest issues that a believer will ever face, bar none. Because it's, it's, it's because we are inundated with all types of things that would, would attempt to influence our will in a way that would, would conflict with the will that God has ordained for us. We want the blessings of God, Really, we do. Does anybody want the blessings of God? Yeah. But we don't really want the will of God. We want the power of God, but we don't really want the will of God to get to the power. We want the comfort of God, but we don't really want the will of God to get to the comfort. We want the benefits of God, but not willing to really get to His will. And that's just the fact of the matter is. And so what do we got to do? We've got to bring our will daily into subjection to His will. And what is that? By searching those deep things of God, to get into that place we know Him. So we pray things like, like God, I just want you, uh, God's will to be done. Just as long as it doesn't cost me too much, as long as it doesn't hurt me too much, or doesn't take away from what I've already decided, uh, or as long as it comes within the close parameters of what I've established, then I'm all about the will of God. Just don't tell me anything I don't want to hear. Just don't show me anything I don't want to see. Just don't take me anywhere I don't want to go. If you can do that, God, I want your will. Folks, but God searches the heart and knows what is the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Folks, listen. The will of God will not be bullied or dissuaded from searching, from digging, from revealing, from reproving, from rebuking, from correcting, exposing, and challenging you until His will is made evident in your life. He's going to continue to do that. And so He searches, He exposes to bring us to that place of realization of the will of God. Then it says in verse 28, and you've all, you all know this, you've quoted it about a million times in your life, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. We find so much solace, we find so much relief in that after we study about the sin nature. Oh, but all things work to good. And so, folks, that's, that's, that's so often quoted, it's, it's really generalized so often times. Let me ask you a question. 
Do all things end up working together for good? Okay, my sister here in the studio said yes, says so. It, it's, it's, it's different, but I want you to think about something. I can say that as a standalone verse. Do we not know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and call Him His purpose? But what's the context of this chapter? There's no con- Let me go back to the first verse. There's no condemnation to those that not, don't walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Folks, I'm here to tell you that's the context of this verse as well. That all things work together for the good of them that love God and the call according to His purpose. When I'm walking not after the flesh but after the Spirit, <coughs> then what happens? All things work together for my good. I've t- me and Melanie, for years, we talked about this. You know, honey, when we're serving Jesus, have you ever seen anything that started out bad that ended up bad? Never. Never have. When we're serving and we're trusting God. And so the answer to that, do all things work together for good? The answer is yes and no. Yes, they do when I'm walking in the Spirit. No, they don't when I'm walking in the flesh. And so don't think for a minute that you can continue to walk in the flesh and it's, uh, God's going to wink and everything's going to happen, that, that, uh, that, that you're walking in the, in, the, in the flesh and God's just going to work all these things out and it's going to be, it's going to be a grand time. And you know what? And we say, and folks, we, we make that mistake. Well, you know what? God called them and so they're always, God's always going to bring them back to that place. Well, not necessarily, not unless they repent. Well, I know the promise that God has. Well, that promise is going to be conditional. And so if, don't ever think that your rebellion will produce His blessing. Okay? Don't think that your rebellion will produce His blessing. That God is some type of celestial sugar daddy. He will turn a blinded eye to your sin and just He's going to just work it out for you. No, what He's doing is He is searching your heart and if we're willing to humble ourselves in the sight of a living God, then He will exalt us in due season. And so there's a condition on this, actually two conditions, in the working together for the good. It's for those that love Him. And so I know that if I love Him, you said you love God? Well, John fourteen fifteen says, if you love Him, you'll keep His commandments. And so if you've had a hard time seeing the manifestation of God in your life, are you keeping the commandments of God? Because if you're not keeping the commandments of God, if you're not doing what God said, if you're not walking in righteousness, if you're not walking in the Spirit, if you're not walking in obedience to the voice of God, then you do not genuinely love Him. You love yourself. You love your flesh. You love your sin. You love your own ideas. Now, you may dress those things up in Christianity. You may uh, doctor those things up with your your, your own will. Or you may uh, doctor those things up with your own self-styled morality. But unless you're keeping the commands of God, you do not genuinely love Him. The Scripture tells us about His love. That it doesn't... And and you can look at that. We can flip right here real quick. Do you love Him? If I have that genuine type of love... Let me turn to let me turn to First Corinthians thirteen. Measure measure your love according to this for just a moment. Uh, love is long suffering. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not puffed up. It does not vaunt itself. Uh, it does not behave, its, uh, behave itself unseemly. It does not it's not seek itself. Uh, it's not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't think evil. It does not do iniquity. It rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. So folks, is, is that what characterizes your love? If it's not, don't expect all things to work together for your good. If, if you're keeping records of wrong, if you're, if you're, 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 you're not long-suffering, if you're envious, if you're these things, you genuinely do not uh, love. You do not love according to the Scripture. And so you're not going to see those things work together for your good. So if you're sitting somewhere you're saying, God, I just need your will to be done, maybe your lack of loving according to the Scripture, loving Him, is standing in the way of the promises of God. And maybe what God is doing at this moment in your life, He's searching those things. He's 
He's exposing those things. He's reproving those things. He's checking your, your heart and your motivation. Why? So He can reveal those things, get those things out of the way, so He can put you in line with His will to work those things together for your good. And so the next thing is, the next qualification is, that all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to their own purpose, their own will, their own ambition, according to His purpose. Folks, listen. If you expect His good to be poured out upon your purpose, then, you, then you've missed it. You've got to say, God, I want my purpose to line up with your good. Why? Because I, my purpose has got to be His purpose. If, if, if God is working those things out, I, my purpose has got to be Him. The reason I get up is for Him. The reason I go to bed is for Him. The reason I open my mouth is for Him. Not for Him to fill my pockets. Not for Him to give me a great name. Not for Him to promote me. Not for me to have position. Not for me to have everything okay. Not for me to get that, 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 that woman I want or that man I want or whatever my situation is. But it's saying, God, as long as I'm lined up with Your purpose and I say regardless of what it is that You have for me, I want those things. What's going to happen? He's causing all things to work together for our good. Why? Because He's interceding on our behalf. He's searching all things. By His Spirit, He's revealing all things, revealing Himself. Why? So one day, He can present to Himself a glorious church. Folks, I'm totally, totally out of time today. But we're going to go on. The next next verse in Scripture, you can jump ahead and look at that. It's really a verse that you've heard so many times. And so we're going to dive into that tomorrow and probably uh, spend the whole uh, class on just that 29th verse of Romans chapter 8, which is so often misunderstood. But folks, we're out of time today. Love you. And don't forget about the Raven Nation tonight at 8.30 p.m. Love to have you on there. As, and don't forget to send your prayer request in early. Pray at BigGrace.com. Pray at BigGrace.com. i got one bit of advice for you today, as we always do. Get into God's Word. And God's Word will get into you.